0: On the first Sunday of Advent, we're, we remember the hope that Christ brings to the world. Last week, we celebrate the peace that God has made possible through the coming of Jesus. Today, as we light the joy candle, we remember the joy felt by the all who heard of Jesus, birth on that first Christmas. We also celebrate the joy that Jesus brings to our heart each day as he proclaims freedom, restoration, and renewal for, all, for us all. Psalm 98, 1 through 3. Our teaching series throughout Advent comes from passages in the book of Matthew. We invite you to stand for today's reading from Matthew 11 through 11.
1: Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear, and see the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, Behold, those who wear soft clothing are kings in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he.
0: Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord, our our God and King. You sent your Son to the light of the world and to spread his light of love to all. As we light the candles of this wreath, may its growing brightness remind us of the approaching nearness of your Son, so that the day of his coming may find us prepared and filled with joy. We ask this through Christ, our Lord. Amen.
2: All right, you guys can have a seat. Uh, I want to tell you there are a lot of advantages to attending Thursday night service. One of the advantages is this is the coolest service of them all. So you get to be a part of the cool crowd, the cool kids. Uh, the other thing is if you have kids and you want to get them in the kids' choir and you don't want to have the kids' choir. Uh, sell out, so to speak, because we only have 15 spots per service, then today you could take advantage of that. You could go on the app and make that happen and beat all those Sunday attenders who are late, all right? They're late to the, late to the occasion. Uh, in this series of Advent, we are walking through these big ideas of hope and peace and joy and love. and They all recognize realities of life, that hope recognizes a reality of hopelessness. Um, peace re- recognizes a reality of chaos. Joy recognizes the reality of sadness. Uh, love re- recognizes the reality of loneliness. Uh, we, we recognize that you know that, that we have seasons of life and not every season, of life can be filled with baby Yoda. You know, We don't always get to have these wonderful seasons of life filled with you know, happiness like baby Yoda brings. I think one of the reasons why baby Yoda has been such an internet sensation is because how can you be angry after having looked at baby Yoda? You, know, I mean, you look at baby Yoda and you can't help yourself, but you go, I'm a little happier now having seen that. I was doing some research for my sermon series, What Child Is This? and I came across this uh, sweater. This is What Child Is This? and it's got baby Yoda on it. And that's not the theme Today, all right. The theme today is Jesus is the child who brings joy uh, to sad hearts. That's our big idea today. He's the child who brings joy uh, to sad hearts. And sadness is a part of the Christian life. Uh, You need to know that. Sadness is a part of your life as a Christian, uh, but it's not a permanent part. Uh, We recognize that what the Bible teaches us in Revelation 21 is that there uh, is going to be a limited time of crying. There's a limited time of death. There's a limited time of mourning uh, because Jesus is taking all that away. He's making everything new. There won't be tears anymore. There won't be death anymore, mourning, crying, or pain anymore because those former things are going to pass away. He's bringing in a new thing. That's what Jesus is doing. Uh, my uh, great aunt Gloria passed away last week, and it was uh, a very sad time for us as a family uh, because our family is super tight. And my great aunt Gloria lived with my nana, and my nana's still. Uh, alive. And, and But my great Aunt Gloria had cancer that took her life you know, very uh, in a di- very difficult way. And so there's a lot of sadness, but there's also a lot of sadness that was met with joy because my Aunt Gloria is a believer in Jesus and she's been saved by Him. And we know she's better today uh, than she was because He is a God who's making all things new and He's made my Aunt Gloria new. And I'm happy for that news. But here on earth where we live, where sadness is still a reality, there are two things that I think escalate our sadness, that can take our sadness and up a notch. And one of the things that takes our sadness up a notch is loneliness. Uh, loneliness is a major factor. We've experienced that a lot during the holiday season. Uh, we experience the loss of loved ones. We experience the loss of people that uh, we want in our life, or so maybe sometimes we want somebody in our life that we don't have in our life, and so we, we mourn the loss of what we don't have. And, and uh, loneliness is a major factor. John, in this passage, we find is in prison. He has been experiencing a season of loneliness, and that is escalating for him some of the sadness that he is going through. and Some of that sadness is also related to unmet expectations, which I think is another thing that escalates the challenges uh, that we sometimes have in our faith. And so you see, when John uh, heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, what happened was that they were ringing different bells in his mind than he thought they would ring. He's hearing all about what Jesus is doing, but they're not the things that he expected Jesus to do, and so he has all these unmet expectations, which is causing him to feel both sadness and doubt in the context of his prison experience. The so sadness often sows seeds of doubt in our hearts. Uh, that's, a, that's a common occurrence. That when you go through a difficult season of life, and that difficult season of life is met with sadness, sadness, that sadness then begins to sort of develop something like doubt in your heart. And so John heard when he's in prison about the deeds of Christ, and so he sent word by his disciples, and he said to them, are you you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And so John sends his disciples out to Jesus to say, "Uh, are you really the Messiah that I've been talking about? Like, is, are you, should shall be waiting on somebody else? In other words, he's having a crisis of faith. He's, he's doubting. Uh, the sadness, the sorrow, the, sort of the, the, the loneliness, the enemy expectations, all those things are kind of working together to bring about a moment for him. He's going, I don't know if Jesus is who he says he is. And sadness can turn up the volume to the point that we cannot hear anyone, even ourselves. And you can go through a life of preaching the good news about Jesus. You can, you can go through a lifetime of belief and then come to a season of life that's hard. And that hard season then promotes within you doubt. And that, that could easily happen to anybody, even John the Baptist. I mean, John the Baptist is the one who was boldly preaching. And, and, and last week in our text, in and, and chapter 3, verse 2 of Matthew, repent, the kingdom of God's at hand. He's a guy like just really like, pushing it out there. A bold message, the guy eating locusts and honey who dressed kind of weird, he lived way out in the wilderness because he's a prophet, and prophets aren't welcome at your dinner table because they disrupt. And here he is in confidence disrupting, and now in a moment of life having a, 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 a season of doubt. Sadness, loneliness, unmet expectations, all those things weaving together in his heart some doubts. And so we need, we all need an outside voice to affirm us when we are in difficult seasons of life, we need to hear something from the outside because the volume can be turned up so loud by our sadness that we sometimes can't even hear ourselves think. And Jesus answered them. He answered their doubts. And that's what they needed. They needed a voice from the outside. They needed to hear an answer, but an answer uh, that was one with authority, one that came with truth. I want to, to kind of propose to you that doubt is an exercise of belief. It's not an exercise of unbelief. It's an exercise of belief. And it can be good, it can be really good work for the strengthening of the believer. Uh, if, you, if you're not believing, then there's nothing to doubt, right? Doubt is an exercise of the believer. And, it, and it's helpful, it's good. It's, it's something that we should be pursuing is the answering of our doubts. And so I want to give a kind of a word about doubt, if you, if you wouldn't mind me just kind of spending some time here. The doubt is necessary for spiritual growth. Uh, if, if you're not doubting, then you're not, your faith is not being pushed to its limits. Uh, there should be moments where you come to your place of your faith and you go, I don't know. I, I have some doubts about that. We're we're to be wrestling through the challenges of our faith. Tim Keller says this way in the book Reason for God. He says, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about what they believe as they do, will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A a person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she has failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. So doubts, they're they're necessary for spiritual growth, and we should engage them and think hard about them, and doubts need to be uh, uh, courageously confronted. And I I think that in the open marketplace of ideas, Christianity always wins, and I have a tremendous amount of confidence of putting my faith to the test, and and you should too, and we should be courageous in testing our faith. And John, what he's doing, he's battling the pain of unmet expectations, which is a real pain, and he's fighting that battle. He's battling this pain of unmet expectations. When you go back to John's message in Matthew 3, here's what you read. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming at his baptism, he said, you brutal Vipers. I mean, this gives you a sense of what John's ministry was like. Preaching with such boldness. He calls out the religious leaders and calls them snakes. He says, your fruit, keep your fruit in keeping with repentance. And he calls them to repentance, the religious leaders of the day. You see, you see John in, 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 in verse 9 saying, do not presume to say to yourselves that you're, you're Abraham. If Abraham is your father, God can call up the children of Abraham from stones. I mean, look at how bold his faith is. Then he says in verse 10, even, even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and God is coming to, to be a judge, and he's going to come and rule, and the axe is at the, the tree, and he's, man, he is bold in his proclamation. I think his expectations were that Christ was going to come like every other king had come, and he was going to conquer with might like every other king had conquered, and that then would come peace, and then would come uh, his kingdom. He didn't, he didn't see the kingdom coming in quite the way that it came, and so he's having some unmet expectations. And You would, too, had you experienced what John experienced. Bold prophet John, you see in Matthew 14, verse 3, the reason why he's in prison is because he called out Herod. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. So he had an affair and married his brother's wife because John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. And so John is a prophet. And by the way, prophets just say the thing that nobody else is afraid to say. That's what prophets say. And John's not afraid. And so he's boldly proclaiming and calling out even Herod uh, in his sin. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. And so the reason I share that with you is because here John is in prison because of his boldness of faith. Here he is facing challenges of loneliness and challenges of unmet expectations because he expected much from God. So even a bold and brazen prophet can feel weak and timid during a difficult season of life. And it's important, I think, sometimes to to realize that. That, that sometimes, you know, life throws you a curveball and you don't quite know how to handle it. And that can throw you into a spin that causes you to doubt even the, the most fundamental things about your life. But Jesus says, truly I say to you, this is in our reading today. Among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. John is a truly a great prophet and his doubting is a part of his maturing in his faith. Charles Spurgeon helped me a little bit in this this week. He said, some of us who have preached the word for years and have been the means of working faith in others and and of establishing them in the knowledge and the fundamental doctrines of the Bible have nevertheless been the subjects of the most fearful and violent doubts as to the truth of the very gospel we have preached. Even giants of the faith have had struggles with faith, but I want to remind you that struggling in your faith is the product of faith. You don't, doubt, you don't doubt if you're an unbeliever. You doubt precisely because you do believe. And we must, however, not equate unbelief with doubt, those things are not the same. John is not, by the way, wavering between belief and unbelief. He says uh, in his question, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? He's not, he's, not, he's not going from unbelief to belief. He's going, is this, did I believe the right thing? Do, do I have the right person? Alistair McGrath says, unbelief is the decision to live your life as if there is no God. It is a deliberate decision to reject Jesus Christ and all that he stands for. But doubt is something quite different. Doubt arises within the context of faith is a wistful longing to be sure of the things in which we trust. And sometimes I think people feel guilty for doubting, and you shouldn't feel guilty for doubting. Doubting is God's gift to you to help mature and to, to form your faith, to help strengthen your faith. So doubt is necessary for spiritual growth. Doubt needs to be courageously confronted. And I want to really make a a point here and emphasize this and underline this and underscore this in your mind, okay? Our doubts are often resolved by the character of God, not by our ability to comprehend the ways of God. And that's a key takeaway. Jesus answered them. How did he answer them? Go and tell John what you hear and see. What do they hear and see? The very nature of the kingdom, the very nature of Jesus. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Another way of saying that is happy is the one who trusts my character even if they don't understand it all. I have a seven-year-old daughter. This is my daughter Evangeline. She's the best, all right? She's so cute and awesome. We just had a family photo shoot, but I can tell you this. My seven-year-old Evangeline often doesn't understand the purpose of our parenting, Uh, There are many times when she doesn't get it, like why she has to go to bed when we've told her to go to bed, Uh, why she should eat breakfast prior to school, why it's necessary to wear a coat to school on a cold day. I mean, lots of challenges we have in, 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 in everyday life, and so we're constantly having this battle. And she says things like, I just don't understand, and why does it have to be this way? And like this morning, my coat's uncomfortable. And all of the reasons why, you know, like why would you be so mean to make me wear this uncomfortable coat to school? Like, uh, but, I, but I want you to know something about my daughter Evangeline and about me and her. The distance between you and a seven-year-old is vastly shorter distance than the distance between you and God. And some things are beyond your capacity to understand. And sometimes I have to say to my seven-year-old daughter Evangeline, sweetie, I can't explain it to you. It's just the way it is. I'm your parent, you're a child, and you need to obey. And uh, uh, sometimes we come to the place with God, and we stand there, and we go, I don't understand And God says, boy, the distance between you and me is vast. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, and so my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts are greater than your thoughts. And so we're not always going to be able to fully understand. And sometimes what we need to understand is more so the character of God, not necessarily the the rationale and reasons of God. And you know what happens in a good family is that eventually a child just learns to trust that, you know what, mom and dad love me and they care for me, and they're not trying to do this to hurt me, and so I'll trust you if I don't understand it. And that often happens in a a healthy family. So I want to propose to you that biblical truth is the antidote to our doubts and also the medicine our sad hearts need. And so we see here in Matthew 3, 4, go, he, Jesus answers them, go and tell John what you hear and see. And this is what's happening in the text. What they're hearing and seeing is the Bible being answered. What they're hearing and seeing is prophecies being fulfilled. So the blind receiving their sight and the lame walking and lepers are being cleansed and the deaf hear. These are all ringing scriptural bells for John. And The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And what Jesus is doing is he's saying, John, wrestle with the words of God. Like, wrestle with the words of God. I know it doesn't all make sense to you, but wrestle with the words of God. And Jesus is good, but he's not predictable. And so when he says in, in, in verse 5, he says, The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. What's, what bell is he ringing? He's ringing the bell of Isaiah 35.5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and, and, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame men leap like a deer. And all those, those, those words be coming to John's mind. But what's also coming to John's mind is what Jesus is not saying. And what he's not saying is verse 4. He is saying Isaiah 35.5 and 35.6, but he's not saying Isaiah 35.4. So those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Jesus is saying, wrestle with the Word. The truth is be- being put on display here, but it's not happening as you might expect it to happen. And he's, he's challenging him to wrestle. This reminded me of a scene in C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, when Susan's wrestling with this same idea about God. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. A lion is the metaphor in the... In this, in, in, in this particular series, The Lion the Wardrobe, as, as a, the Chronicles of Narnia, as, as, as Jesus. And so we're to see Aslan as Jesus. So Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he'd, he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel very, rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver in Narnia, The Animals Talk. Who said anything about safe? Of course, he isn't safe but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. That's the kind of experience that John is having right in this very moment as he's hearing the words of God repeated back to him. He's good, but he's not safe. He's, he's good, but he's not predictable. And Jesus isn't always operating on our timeline. Sometimes things happen, and they don't happen in the order that you think they're going to happen. I mean, Jesus' kingdom is going to come finally one day. And everything will be finally set to rights. But it, it is is—it is, it is going to happen. But it hasn't happened quite like John thought it was going to happen. And so we see in the passage of Matthew 11, he says, go back and tell John what you see and what you hear. The poor having good news preached to them. And John's hearing that and the bell is ringing. Because when... John ushers in this kingdom when he prepares the way for the king, and Jesus shows up. One of the earliest messages of Jesus, you see, in Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim proclaim good news to the poor. And this is what Jesus doesn't say to John. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and to cover sight to the blind. And what, what he's doing with John is he's saying, yes, yes, the Scripture is being fulfilled, but it's not in the timeline that you would expect and it's not in the way that you would expect and i'm good but i'm not predictable and i don't always do the things that you want me to do in the way you want me to do them nt writes says no no doubt john looked forward eagerly to the day not long now when jesus would control herod himself topple him from his throne becoming become king in his place and get his cousin out of prison and give him a place of honor surely that's what he's expecting Jesus is operating a slightly different timetable than John is expecting. So Jesus is saying something like this. The medicine for your sadness is not your ability to understand, but you're placing your trust in my character. That's his appeal to John. That's why he's saying, wrestle with these words. See the kingdom at work. See I'm doing the things that are in the character of God and in the kingdom. But blessed is the one who is not offended by me because he doesn't understand. Happy is the one who's not offended by me because he doesn't get it all. In other words, happy is a person who's not offended by me when they don't quite fully grasp the full thing that I'm doing. Another way of getting at it is is walking by faith is is saying, I'm not 100% clear about everything, but I trust you. That's where you are when you're walking by faith. You're saying, I'm not 100% on this, but I'm going to trust you. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. And the appeal that, that Jesus is making to John is the trust in my character. See, Christians trust that God will make all things new. That's like our trust. We believe that. Revelation 21.5 says it. He's going to make all things new. But we live in a world that is full of hurting and pain. And because of that, man, we have conflict sometimes. And so we have to, we have to choose. We have to choose a certain kind of life. We have to choose to live in the light of the future as a testimony to the darkness that is in the present. We have to choose to live in the light of that reality right now. Because right now is filled with all kinds of darkness and sadness. And so we pray, Christians pray, Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven, Lord Jesus come. And the way we live makes the present kingdom visible and testifies to the fulfillment of the kingdom that is to come. It It puts it on display. And so, as they went away, Jesus began speaking to the crowds concerning John. And when they, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? <laughs> what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothes? He's not like the other. You know, the, the the you know the, the other the other kings have representatives that look a little different than my representative looked. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is he whom it is written, Behold, I send my messengers before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. And then this bold statement. So he goes on to praise John the Baptist, and they're hearing it as they're kind of leaving. Yet, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. You see, John testified to what would, what would be. The king is coming. That's his message. And he is the greatest of the prophets because he has his proximity to that testimony. Like he got to say the king is coming and here he is. And so he's the greatest of the prophets for that reason. But our testimony is greater because we are testifying to what is. Yeah. So he was saying the kingdom is coming and Jesus says the kingdom is at hand and we are here representing the kingdom of God on earth. So Christian lives are to prophesy. Our, our very lives are to prophesy about the kingdom reality of Jesus that is to come by living it out in the here and now, like living it right now, the way of Jesus. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 4, 20 says, for the kingdom of God does not consist of talk but in power. And earlier, <laughs> Paul says, live like me as I am like Christ. Like, follow my example. The kingdom is meant to be put on display and it has dawned on me many times over the years that often people come to trust Jesus because Christians have displayed His character with their everyday lives. They have put it on display. They said, here it is. This is what it is. This is what Jesus looks like because we are His body of Christ here on earth. This is what His kingdom looks like because we're His representatives to the world. And one of the ways that the church we've tried to put this on display is through our initiative this year called Impact ABQ. It was a significant initiative for us because we wanted to put on display the kingdom of God. We want to, to make it visible to everybody because this world is filled with darkness. We want everybody to see the light of Christ. There's a lot of sadness in the world when people to experience the joy that comes through Jesus. And so we had some things that we wanted to do through this initiative. One of those things was to pay off debt Another was to prepare our church to better care for kids. We've been saying for a little while now that in a state that often is noted as being the worst state to be a child, we think the church should be the best place to be a kid. And there are a lot of initiatives we started as a church to better care for our kids, like student ministries on Sunday nights, and expanding our our, our capacity to care for children on Sundays through our Thursday night service is one of those ways, and and, and caring for uh, the needs of our our families better. And so we, we hired some staff in addition to that. Another thing we want to do is support ministries that care for kids in our city. Uh, and we've been saying all throughout this campaign that we believe that we can make the biggest impact and cause the greatest ways by strategically caring for children in our city. That's what we kind of feel like that's the center of the target for us this last year. So I want to give you an update, because Impact ABQ, it, it ends on Friday officially. And, uh, and so the first update is this. Uh, a check was written this week, and so we are debt-free. Yeah? Let's praise God for that, right? That's good. Now, I'm not... I'm not opposed to debt, okay, uh, uh, but we are pro-paying it off, and, uh, and, and, and we, so debts can be a good tool and that God can use, and we will use debt at times as a tool, um, but it is a, a tool that is to be paid off, and is paid off, and that feels good, doesn't it? It feels really, really good. Another update is that Impact AB2, ABQ total uh, given to this generosity initiative was $222,358 and some change which is really, really good news. Yeah, Praise, praise God. That's good news. So uh, if, you, if you've been around for a little bit, you saw a video online. If you haven't, you can go back to our website and check it out. It's, or go to our Facebook page or Instagram. You can see it there. Uh, we, we did a kind of surprise give recently where we gave some money away in light of Embedded BQ because we didn't want to just pay off debt. We wanted to invest in ministries that care for children in our city. And so uh, we, in this video, we, we, we showed a kind of a surprise gift of ten thousand to, uh, to Shine and then ten thousand to uh, New Mexico Dream Center and then five thousand uh, to Cita de Gracia and Abiel and Emily and then five thousand to Foster Care and Adoption, and uh, and so because of where we are in the initiative, we get to give away another eleven thousand dollars in addition to that. So that means that Shine's gift will be twenty one thousand dollars. Mexico Dream Center, which is carrying, you know, it's a, it's a, there's lots of things that come under Mexico Dream Center. One of those is the Harbor. Our community group volunteers at the Harbor. It's a dro- uh, drop-in center for homeless teenagers. Um, but there's many other things that are going on there that are good for our city and caring for those who are in need and most vulnerable, like those who are victims of sex trafficking and that sort of thing. So we're very excited about that. And Shine School Partnership, obviously the nonprofit that we started that we're really, you know, proud of. Uh, partner schools and churches for the common good Uh, and so and the service on Sunday I'll have uh, one service we'll I'll invite uh, uh, Lisa Fuller who runs Shine Partnership up to the platform another service I'll invite um, I'll invite uh, uh, Shelly Rep who uh, runs Mexico Dream Center up but I want to invite tonight I'll be on Emily up uh, from Cedar Degrassi because we did get them enough some extra money tonight too so why don't you guys guys come on up and um, (laughs) it'd be great I'm going to steal this microphone all right. So some of you guys don't even know who these guys are. Okay. Um, come on up, guys. Come on, you goobers. All hey. right. <laughs> you guys are awesome. All right. So I'll be on Emily. were in my community group. Like, how many, how, many, how long ago? How, how old is, how old is C-Dot? Either one of you. It's it's like it's like really close right yeah. here. So, yeah, I need it's to. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There, there you go. Uh, thank you, Emily. Uh, yeah. Project uh, managing.
3: Ciudad de Gracias is gonna be uh, three years in January. Awesome, three years so in January. Three years. Yeah,
2: and you borrowed our, our baptism uh... pump for this last weekend just baptism. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and
3: yeah. The, uh, that story is uh, is one of our friends. uh as one of our friends that we know for eight years, eight years. We know her for eight years, and yeah. we know the kids for, like, when she was uh, two, yeah. and she's 10, and, and she got baptized awesome. on Sunday, awesome. and it was awesome. amazing to see that, yeah, and, really and to see the girl to the church yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. It was very yeah. exciting. So Aviel and I were
2: talking just recently because we have uh, our own issues with our kids being, like, out of space, uh, and uh, you guys have issues now with your your space, and your yeah. kids are out of space, and so yeah. dreamed out how to expand and where to go.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We right now we we I think it's the last Sunday we had thirty five kids in there, mm-hmm. and it's tight. It's yeah. like tight kids mm-hmm. on we're top Latinos of each other. So we so Latinos, it's <laughs> <like> <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, tight together. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. it's so yeah, good. but we we kind of uh, run out of space, and then so eventually yeah. have a second service yeah. and. And do a bunch of more stuff, too, but we're trying to be faithful where God's having us. But That's so awesome.
2: So three years ago, we had the privilege of sending these guys out to plant seed de Grosso, which you guys are killing it and doing a great job, and we're really proud of you. And uh, I mentioned last week in my sermon that I, uh, I often work with Stadia. Church planting was just in Thailand representing Stadia and raising money to plant churches. Emily works for Stadia as well now as a project manager, and the mission of Stadia is, Emily...
1: So plant churches until every child has a church, yeah, until
2: every child has a church, and that's like just key right here. All right, overlapping. So I got I have a check for you guys, five thousand five hundred dollars. It takes your total up to ten thousand five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, praise God for you guys. Yeah, Thank you guys. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I gave it to Emily, not to you. it no. Gets to the bank. So <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I'll take care of it. Hey, how can I pray for you guys? What's something I could pray for?
3: And it's one of the things you can pray is uh, more yeah. people meet Jesus first and the gospel yeah. pray, and yeah. uh, we can keep planting churches and kids meet Jesus too. Yeah. And uh, we're faithful in the space that we have, and we keep yeah. growing. That. Yeah. We have four generations and ten different nationalities, and yeah. and uh, now that we're reaching to appoint mm-hmm. the hiring full-time, more full-time people and yeah. and different areas. That's and awesome. Student ministry, cause ministry, we can be faithful in where God is having us right now. Uh, that is a big prayer for our family too. Uh, we get, you know, you know that yeah, how yeah. that happened. It's yeah. like, you know, it's like a lot of weight coming to us yes. too. And it's a lot of work in yes, between work. that. But yeah. we're excited, we're excited to see what God's doing.
1: Uh, so one really specific thing that you can yeah. pray for, too, is um, we got to share with you guys not long ago that um, God had blessed us with bringing an older, mature couple to mm. come and to be shoulder-to-shoulder shoulder and work with us. And so we've been in the process over the last year um, of applying for a visa for them. The application is submitted, and we're just waiting for a response. Awesome. Um, and so our, we are praying very specifically within the next month that that's okay. approved in faith. And so right on. we would love if you joined us in yeah, that prayer too. Yeah, absolutely.
2: All right, so here's the something we do sometimes, all right? So if it, if it makes you feel weird, you don't have to do it, all right, okay? Uh, but if you want to, it's, it's really cool. I'm going to pray for these guys. If you want to help, you know, just like put your hand out. We can all pray together, all right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Father, we thank you for Aviel and Emily, the good that they're doing in the city. I know the good they're doing caring for kids and and their, their own shine partnership and uh, the good they're doing caring for the people you keep bringing to them, and I'm so grateful for it. Father, I pray that you would uh, honor that request, that you would um, allow that visa to go through that you would keep adding to their staff team you keep adding uh to their church numerically you keep adding uh to uh, to the to the number of people who are com- coming to be saved and hearing the good news but your son jesus and their church and so we pray for fruitfulness of ministry i ask that you protect them from the enemy and even though we've been talking about you know, sort of sadness and how you address that. And how sometimes our expectations are unmet. Uh, no one knows unmet expectations quite like a church planter. And so, Father, I pray that you would give you would give them joy, just a, just a gift of joy, unspeakable joy as a gift. And it would they would be just clear it's coming from you, and that you were were with them, and that they could learn to trust your character, uh, even when seasons get hard sometimes. In your name, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Awesome, Amen. man. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Can you hang that back up over there? Would you thank God for these guys? They're freaking awesome. Awesome, yeah. Can I say that? That's good. Thursday night, I can say that. All right. So we also get to give uh, ten thousand five hundred to foster care and adoption, and that's a new, new ministry we're, we're working on. And so, uh, praise God for all of this generosity that we get to give away. Isn't that pretty, f- pretty phenomenal? Uh, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So something I want to just sort of note here as we as we close s- some ideas: the spiritual growth doesn't happen simply by knowing deep things; it happens by living deeply. It means it means like putting our putting our faith to action. It means okay, I'm, I'm trusting in the character of God, and because I don't have all the answers, I'm going to step in faith because I have I I know who He is. I, I don't his, his thoughts are my thoughts, His ways are my ways, but I know who He is, and that that will that will bring me into deep living. God didn't save you to be a spiritual consumer; He, he saved you to be a spiritual contributor. He's He saved you. For the purpose of representing him in the world, and for rescuing you, and for saving you, and for bringing you into his family, and we were a family on mission, powered by the Holy Spirit to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so, Jesus is, a, is is the child who brings joy to sad hearts. He is. He, he does so by saying, "Look look at look at my character. Look at how look look at what I've done for you. Look at how I've already provided for you. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me." In other words, blessed is the one who, even though they don't understand it all, puts their trust in me because they can see my character on display. So here's some final thoughts for you as you think about this message tonight. One is embrace doubts. We don't often expect to hear that as encouragement, but I want to encourage you to embrace doubts. But when you do, wrestle with doubt in word Center community. In other words, put yourself in the context of the community that is holding on to the truths of God and working out your doubts in that kind of community, a word-centered community. And then be willing to embrace mystery because there will be times when you'll come to places where you go, I don't get it. And God will say the distance between you and a seven-year-old is a shorter distance than the distance between you, me and you. Okay? You're not going to get it all. And sometimes we have to be willing to embrace mystery. And then we put our trust in the character of God. And then we live that character of God in the world. And we put it on display. And I don't know if that made you feel good. It right? made me feel better than seeing the pictures of Baby Yoda. I mean, it made me feel good to give away money and to give gifts away. And I think few things lighten a sad heart like Jesus' people doing Jesus' things in a dark world. And so my encouragement for you is to go out and do Jesus' things. Right? Be a Jesus' people. Let this dark world know that there is joy even in the sadness. Let's pray together. All right. So, Father, we thank you for being trustworthy and true. We thank you for providing your son, Jesus, uh, for putting on display your very nature and character, your love for us. It is my hope that we will all be able to be generous people this Christmas season, generous with our lives. Generous in the way that we care for one another and care for others. So Father, I pray you would move within us a spirit that is like yours. um, That you would move within us a desire that is like yours. That we might love others the way you've loved us. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, I pray for these things. Amen.